The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. At 15. Moves the blade back, sends the ball down the court. This is for a Porsche. Starting to turn, it's a right to left break. It hops along the hardwood, continuing to roll. Everybody looking. This putt's got a chance. It's on the line, and it is, oh, just off to the right. Heartbreak in Husker Nation. With you on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Tossing a wave to your boy Shaner back there behind the production booth. It's this little Snoopy house. It is. He just doesn't have the roof or it's it's not red either. And he needs Woodstock. Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> about the size of Woodstock, so I need, uh, I need a lot Woodstock. of <laughs> Maybe he's looking for Snoopy. You needed a little more honesty in that meeting yesterday is what you needed. <laughs> To be announced. Uh, <laughs> at this time, let's uh, welcome in Kevin Kugler, BTN, Westwood One, and Fox Sports play-by-play announcer. Kevin, good morning on the call last night. Morning, gentlemen. K2, how are you, buddy? Hello, Damon Benning. Are you refreshed? Look at that. Proud. Oh, refreshed. I mean, I'm fired up. I mean, how could you not be refreshed after watching some college basketball in person last night? A stellar performance and it was just, uh, just an outstanding night of college hoops i mean for illinois it was an outstanding performance for illinois for, for nebraska there was not much to talk about you're a pro's pro but what at what point did you roll your eyes at the amount of whistles being blown about 16 minute mark in the first half i think there's another one yeah, it was it was a lot. Um, there were a lot of whistles last night, and and look, part of that's on the guys. You've got to adjust to how it was very clear how the game was being called early. They were going to call a lot of stuff that gets left behind in other games, and that crew, for whatever reason, last night was gonna was gonna kind of call this game close to the vest. And I didn't think either team adjusted well in the first half, and then in the second half, I didn't think the calls came as frequently so either the teams adjusted or we just got numb to the whole process and didn't even notice anymore you know Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, of course had a double-double last night but he he's a player he's somebody that you can just rest your team in and say hey when we need a bucket go get us a bucket bucket getter but for Nebraska when you take away a guy like Derek Walker who's kind of been that for this team who is that bucket getter? Because they didn't really seem like they had someone to rely on like Illinois did in Terrence Shannon last night. Yeah, I think that's one area that Nebraska lacks. They don't have that guy who can go get it. They do so much of their offense through Derek Walker, run him through the high post, he passes from up top, he just distributes. You, you see the offense flow so much better when Derek Walker is out there, and there's just not that guy that Nebraska has in reserve to pick up that and it's not Blaze Kata, who's a more defensive-oriented guy, and he's still battling that ankle, 
had a little setback earlier in the week with that. So he's still slow with that ankle. And even when he's healthy, he's not a guy that you look at and say, there's a big offensive force off the bench. They just lack that offensive guy, which is why Fred Hoiberg smartly has built this team around defense. The problem is when you don't have your weapons, they didn't have Bandamel, they didn't have Walker in the first half with foul trouble. It puts it all on Greasel, who, you know, needs some help at times to be able to get himself open and get himself a shot. And so when you don't have the help that usually comes from Bandamel or Walker, it becomes an offensive struggle. And, and you saw that last night. Nebraska's going to have those problems, especially when foul trouble hits them. There's just not a lot of offensive firepower. They've got to defend at an extremely high level, and we've seen them be able to do that to success this year. But if they cannot defend for the course of a game and somebody can break through like Shannon could driving to the basket last night, it becomes really tough for the Huskers. Did it seem like Danger played more than 16 minutes? Because for a guy that only had one field goal attempt, it seemed like he had his fingerprints all over that basketball game. But then I look, and it's like, oh, he did get in foul trouble. 16 minutes? It seemed like an eternity. He is really – you talk about a guy with upside. That's a kid with upside. I mean, you, you can see it in what he does when he's on the floor. You can see the skill that he has. They love their young group of players. They love Ty Rogers, and you saw why last night. I thought Ty Rogers had an outstanding game, even though his box score isn't going to really look like he did anything. But his fingerprints were on that game when he came off the bench as well. But you're right about Danger. I, I love that kid. Watching him work last year in practice against Kofi Coburn, and you could see, man, he's just learning. And there was no, it's nothing he could do but learn because you're learning behind one of the best centers in the Big Ten last year, but he wasn't going to crack the lineup. I mean, you're not going to take Kofi Coburn out and throw this kid in for any more than spot minutes because you can't afford to do so. They've got another couple of kids on their bench right now that they think will be the next guy after Dane Danger. So Brad Underwood's done a good job of bringing talent in, although the funny thing is they're the winningest team in the Big Ten the last three years, and they've had one guy drafted in that span, and it was a second-round pick. So it's not as much overwhelming talent as it is with Brad Underwood. He kind of builds the way Purdue does, where you bring in guys that you think fit your program that are character guys, and you develop them as best you can – supplementing with guys from the transfer portal, which is what they've done this year. Speaking to Kevin Kugler at Kevin Kugler on Twitter. And Kevin, let's switch gears here and look toward the weekend. You're calling Super Wild Card Weekend. You have the Dallas and Tampa game on deck. Dallas kind of just fallen off in Week 18 where they were competing for that one spot and then all of a sudden got the five. They get Tom Brady now, who's never easy to play against, even though Tampa hasn't been the team that we probably all thought they would be this season. Uh, what are you looking forward to in that matchup? Well, I think for Dallas, they've got to get that run game going again. That's the strength of this team. Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard have to be the guys that you lean on, and then Dak has to be able to complete passes to you know, CeeDee Lamb and get his guys involved after the run game has been established. That's the key for Dallas. If they can get that run game going, they're going to feel very good about where they are going forward. But for Tampa, I mean, what a perfect situation for them. They get a Dallas team that, let's be honest, looked awful in their loss to Washington. I mean, they were flat. They were they just looked unmotivated. And they were terrible in a game that meant nothing to Washington other than trying to cause problems for Dallas, which they certainly did. But for Tampa, you're home, 
You've got Tom Brady for who knows how much longer, maybe one more game. Maybe Tom doesn't play. I mean, it seems like we do this every year. Is this Tom Brady's last game? And then, of course, it's not. But maybe it's Tom Brady's last game. Maybe it's not. Tampa at home against the Dallas team that all of a sudden is questioning itself a little bit. I like the, I like the scenario for Tom Brady to try to put things together for maybe one more run to the second weekend of the playoffs at least. And Dallas all of a sudden can't stop the run either, but whose, no. last, whose last game is this more apt to be, Tom Brady's or Mike McCarthy's? You kind of get the sense he, he may be coaching for his, his future in Dallas. Well, supposedly Jerry Jones says even if it's one and done, it does not impact Mike McCarthy. And I, and I hope he's right about that because, man, the body of work for the season has been extremely good for Mike McCarthy. But as we know, Damon, everything's determined by playoffs. That's how you're defined. That's how quarterbacks and coaches are defined in this league. You're defined by the success or failure that you have in the postseason, regardless of the year you've had during the regular season. And I think overall Dallas has had a very good year. But if they follow up a Week 18 thrashing by the Washington Commanders with a loss in the first round of the playoffs to Tampa Bay, you're certainly going to have some people grumbling around Dallas, that's for sure. A game that Dak didn't look good at all in that first half, and uh, you would hope that he can bounce back in this one. But DB and I were talking, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, about Dak Prescott and wondering where he kind of fits in in the, in the rankings of quarterbacks this year. And we kind of rested him between 10 and 15. But, uh, you know, before this season, it seemed like people were like, oh, no, Dak's a top 10 quarterback, no doubt. But as we keep talking about quarterbacks coming in the draft, is there potential that Dallas moves on from Dak at some point? Can on 35. Yeah. Now. I mean, maybe. I don't think it's going to be this year. Um, I, I look at where Dak is, and I, I look at where he is in the arc of his career, and I still think there's upward progression for him. But I would agree with the ranking where you put him. I mean, part of that is Dak, and part of that is this league right now is enjoying, especially in the AFC, a quarterback resurgence. I mean, you look at the young quarterbacks, who are you going to put Dak ahead of? You're not going to put him ahead of Justin Herbert right now because of the incredible upside he has. You're not going to put him ahead of Josh Allen. You're not going to put him ahead of Patrick Mahomes. So there's three guys right off the top of the of the AFC in the playoffs that you think, all right, well, Dak's already fourth before we even get to the conference that he's in and before we even get to other quarterbacks in the AFC, which is the loaded conference right now. I mean, where's Lamar Jackson fit into this mix when mm. he's healthy? All of these conversations, I, I don't know how you'd end up with Dak anywhere other than between 10 and 15 because I just don't think he's the guy that – you would ever put in the same category with Mahomes and Allen, who are the top two in the league, in my opinion. Uh, going all potpourri with the most familiar voice in sports. <laughs> Kevin, we don't even do this enough, man, but anytime we get a chance to get you, we'd love it. Yeah, please come back. We enjoyed it. You never call. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. The dagger from Kevin Googler. Oh, Toss him a follow at Kevin Googler on Twitter. We finished off talking quarterbacks in the NFL. How about we talk quarterbacks at Nebraska next and whose offense this is set up to be next season?